In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. Jesus, as we offer our minds and hearts to you in a special way because you're present in the Blessed Sacrament, we ask you, as we always do, to explain to us your words or the words that are intimately linked with your salvation, with your work of sanctification. In this time of prayer, as we traditionally recall the role of your cousin, St. John the Baptist, in announcing your coming, we ask you, Lord, to help us take this paradigm of evangelization, the example of this very last prophet that served as an instrument for your immediate appearance in the public forum. Jesus, we ask you to help us replicate, albeit in a flawed and imperfect way, that work of John the Baptist of preparing the way of the Lord. Isn't that preparation of the way of the Lord intimately linked to our vocation? We've officially received in baptism to live the life of Jesus and to allow that seedling form of divine life, of Christ's life, infused in our hearts and souls at the moment of baptism, completed in the sacrament of confirmation that empowers us to proclaim the gospel primarily by witness, but also by word, words inspired by love and affection and kindness, but also fortitude, where our personal well-being or comfort or even political correctness may be compromised because we proclaim the truth in love, in understanding, but nevertheless the truth. We reconstruct that scene of this extraordinary man, of this saint, who traditionally is known as the last prophet of our Lord. How can I imitate him? I notice that his words are very apropos, inspiring, but with due respect and veneration and reverence, nothing terribly original. Obey the commandments, be just, he told some soldiers in another gospel, 
repent of your sins? Why did throngs of people follow him? He was dressed as a prophet, so he probably had disheveled hair and lived in the wilderness, preparing his ministry with protracted time in prayer and penance, that his asceticism, his piety, his penance served as the raw material for the Holy Spirit to transform because he became Christ-like in anticipation of the coming of our Lord. We recall that when Mary visited St. Elizabeth, Mary was carrying Jesus in her womb. And the scripture says that St. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and that Holy Spirit filled the unborn John the Baptist. And John the Baptist allows that Holy Spirit in a mysterious way that we can't explain completely, a transformation by which his holiness, his Christ-like personality, demeanor, attracted followers. So when he articulated those unoriginal but poignant words, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand, it was the persona behind those words, it was the authority of deep love, of deep holiness, that attracted the people like a magnet. We read in today's Gospel his description of John the Baptist, a voice of one crying out in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths, Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. The winding roads shall be made straight, and the rough ways made smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. These are metaphors of conversion, rough ways being made smooth, mountains and hills being made low, allusions to a change. And then the climax of these words that were first articulated by Isaiah, all flesh shall see the salvation of God. As we prepare ourselves more intensely for the birth of Jesus and celebrate Advent, in three traditional ways, we commemorate the first coming in humility. We remotely prepare for Jesus' second coming and his final judgment. But more close to home, which is a fluid Advent, this is taken from St. Bernard of Clairvaux, the third Advent where our Lord comes to us. I'd like to almost talk about a fourth Advent where we play the role of John the Baptist and duplicate these words 
All flesh shall see the salvation of God. All flesh shall see the salvation of God through my imperfect witness. We may ask ourselves, who am I to bring the birth of our Lord to others? Who am I to reveal in the celebrated words of St. John Paul, the face of Jesus to others? Who am I to move someone to Christ, to be an instrument of the evangelization of attraction so often emphasized by our Holy Father, Pope Francis? Who am I to make straight the valleys? We may say, I'm so flawed. My track record contradicts these high ideals of the gospel. And with a spirit of humility and supernatural outlook, this presentation of Jesus, this being an ambulatory Christmas, a walking Christmas, a Christmas on call, that we're Christmas for everybody we meet. It's not about my talents, my gifts, my skills, but it is about letting that Christ who lives in me through baptism, to let him grow. So he reaches a threshold of growth that he reveals himself through me, through myself being an imperfect vessel, but a vessel of Jesus Christ nevertheless. Lord, as we address our attention to you, you're asking me to be a modern John the Baptist. A modern John the Baptist in my family circle, at my place of work, on my sickbed, on the sports field, at the party, at the Christmas parties, though technically we should be celebrating Christmas after Christmas, not during Advent, which is a penitential time, but no need to fight that battle. I asked that question, what shall I do? I recall something that probably will never slip my mind. And I think it's been stated three times by two non-Catholic Christians who eventually became Catholic and a recently converted Catholic who was formerly a non-Catholic Christian. I don't say Protestant because they're not protesting. All three expressed a desire for someone to make Christ real to them. One gentleman realized that the Catholic Church had more resources to connect with the Lord.
especially the Holy Eucharist. That's sort of the magnet that attracts Christian non-Catholics to the Catholic faith. And the gentleman, rather nervous, said, I don't mean to uh, ruffle your feathers, Father, but I just truly desire some Catholics who make Christ real to me. And I remember this couple also thinking about entering into the church. We want someone to make Christ real to me. I re-read part of the celebrated apostolic letter, Millennium Nunte, written by St. John Paul at the dawning of the new millennium, since his feast or his memorial was celebrated in the middle of October, and it was also the 40th anniversary of his installation. I happened to have been studying in preparation for the priesthood in Rome during those years. And I started to read through that letter. And what struck me was a quotation from St. John's Gospel, where these Greek pilgrims are in Jerusalem for the Passover. And they say to, I guess, Jesus' secretaries, they both have Greek names, Philip and Andrew, we wish to see Jesus. That apostolic letter says, this is the cry of the world. They want you to be Christmas for them. We want factual truth, but first we want to see Jesus. We don't want to see a moralizer. We don't want to see someone who is behind very edifying and noble causes. We want to see Jesus. We want to see the joy of Jesus. As Pope Francis marvelously states in his exhortation on joy, specifying that this modern work of evangelization is predicated upon joy. That is how I prepare the way of the Lord. I can't do the work of the Holy Spirit, whose role is conversion, but I could be that introduction to Christ, that magnet for Christ. The first readings are prefaced to the teachings of St. Paul from the prophet Baruch. I read the first couple of lines. Jerusalem, take off your robe of mourning and misery. Put on the splendor of glory from God forever, wrapped in the cloak of the justice from God. Bear on your head the mitre that displays the glory of the eternal name. For God will show all the earth your splendor. You will be named by God forever, the peace of justice, the glory of God's worship. This is 
an image of what St. Paul will say explicitly throughout his teaching, put on Jesus Christ. That is my calling. That is how I could imitate John the Baptist. Look at Jesus Christ. Have a personal friendship with Jesus Christ. Abide in his love as the branch is united to the vine. Abide in the life of our Lord. As St. Maria states and teaches, two ports of entry into that heart of Christ is to meditate and to unite ourselves to Jesus Christ in the bread, the bread of God, the Holy Eucharist, His true presence. Putting words in the Eucharistic mouth of Jesus through his words of the gospel and mulling over those words and nourishing ourselves with those words and talking to him about those words and examining ourselves about his words and desiring to incarnate those words. Put on Jesus Christ. If I prepare the way of the Lord, I have to do what John the Baptist did. He connected with God. He focused on God. Not that we are going to live in some secluded place and make an unending retreat, but amid our daily tasks and activities, we want to keep on looking at Christ, putting Him on. And having generous rendezvous with him without compromising our duties. Silent time with him, where I am nourishing myself with the bread and the word. I need to ask myself the question of St. Jose Maria in these words recorded in the way, 382. We put ourselves in the historical context of the way. It was a time of religious persecution in Spain. It was a time of experiencing apparent failure, not real failure. That never happens when we connect with our Lord. It's always victorious. But apparent failure, persecutions, poverty, lack of freedom of movement, of religious expression misunderstanding the role the ordinary woman or man in the middle of the world called to bear the burden of evangelization. Until that time, collective opinion was you needed to join a religious order or become a candidate for the priesthood. But someone with a job, married or unmarried, but in the middle of the world, embracing the same level of holiness as a Teresa of Avila or John of the Cross was unheard of. We're called to do that. And so we take to heart and we put this question to our own selves. When I made you a present of that life of Jesus, I wrote in it this inscription. May you seek Christ 
May you find Christ. May you love Christ. These are three very distinct steps. Have you at least tried to live the first one? There's a sense of urgency here. I remember listening to words of Blessed Alvaro, St. Josemaria's immediate successor, and seeing a bit the contrast between him and St. Josemaria in terms of character and temperament, not in terms of spirit. One was uh, very passionate, displayed a whole range of emotions with the inspiring force of charity and love, where Blessed Alvaro, whom I knew personally, was laid back, very engineering, had a beautiful smile, had a very human affection. It wasn't uh, theoretical. It wasn't uh, otherworldly. Everything about you was of interest to him. He'd suffer when you suffered. He was joyful when you were joyful. Sense of humor. Self-deprecating. More reserved. And always cheerful. Liked a good laugh. It was surrealistic when I attended his beatification. During his lifetime, he was a, came across as an affectionate, grandfatherly priest, eventually bishop. I would be in informal get-togethers with him. And then I go to his beatification, and there's half a million people there. This wide-open space outside of the center of Madrid is packed with people. I'm saying to myself, is this the same person I was in a living room with, where we have a few laughs and exchange stories, and be a recipient of his affection, of his love, of his joy? Yes, and I remember very vividly, without using those explicit words, how he would teach what St. Paul taught, put on Jesus Christ. He said that our life of piety should never be perfunctory, that we need to truly make each act of piety, especially the Mass, the mental prayer, some like to use the classical phrase, Lexio Divina, meditation, hanging out with Jesus, whatever term one wants to use. He says, those have to be very special moments. And he would say, don't just get it done. Put your heart into it. Revolve your day around it. That's your most important activity of the day, those times of more protracted prayer, whether it's Mass, whether it's meditation, whether it's rosary. And taught or reiterated St. Josemaria's 
teaching that this revelation of Christ bringing the greatest Christmas present, which is Jesus Christ himself, he does call himself gift, to quote him, if you only knew the gift of God, who it is asking you for a drink, you would have asked of him living water, as he addressed to the Samaritan woman. That this preparation of the way of the Lord is an overflow of our interior life from within. Last brief point, more anecdotal. Being a priest, we hear lots of confessions and give spiritual direction. And I'm very grateful to God that people have brought lots of their friends, their family members to confession, to spiritual direction. But I must say, without even attempting to cast even a positive judgment, that this work of evangelization through the confessional, through spiritual direction, which is in a sense where the rubber meets the road, is a consequence of the holiness of their friends or their parents, or their wives, or their husbands, or their siblings, or their acquaintances. On some level, new person for confession or direction experience Christ through their friend or through their family member. Lord, give me the faith not to face obstacles, but in a very positive way, even though it comes across negative, that the big challenge, the big obstacle, is not all those insurmountable isms with Christ. Every ism is surmountable, but they may seem insurmountable. It will be my lack of holiness, that I have not given my whole heart to you so that you could reveal yourself through me so that I can prepare the way of the Lord. Mary, ingrain this point of the way in my heart. This is the goal. And we approach it little by little. Said a prayerful soul, in intention may Jesus be our end, in affections our love, in speech our theme, in actions or model. Mary, may it happen. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help and put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.